Pick a peck of pickled peppers, it's uncle says. to Uncle Says, a weekly podcast discussion of what it's like to live in China and make short videos for YouTube. I am Emily, and with me, in all, as, as always, is Peter. Always. And we are coming to you live to tape at lovely Whoop Woo Studios in Luzhou, Sichuan, China. This week, our discussion is about branding. And how to maintain your creative spirit while doing it. Um, but first, let's ask, how's your uncle? It feels like a short week this week because we actually live streamed last on Tuesday, whereas we are regularly live on when, on Sunday, whatever day it is today. Um, so. You know, not that much happened in the intervening couple of days. I re-signed my contract at work for another year. Um, not a surprise there. Um, my dream of extra days off is going away, but I knew that couldn't last. Uh, it's still, still a very sweet schedule, still very enough enough time for for making art. But the special the special deal schedule I negotiated. Um, they are eliminating my position and making a different position, so it's not possible anymore, which is a little bit sad. Which happens like every semester. You, you get yeah, yeah. They're, my, my school, it's a kindergarten, but they're trying to expand into like all-day bilingual education rather than my position now was I would come into the classroom as a, what is that called, elective teacher. Um, now I will be... Trading off with a Chinese teacher, one day will be English, one day will be Chinese. So um, they are getting more students interested in that program, but they are not getting a lot of teachers coming to Lujo. A lot of um, we do not have a lot of foreigners here, and it's it's a difficult. Peter and I talk about this all the time that we came together to China, and so we like in a lot of ways had a lot of advantages over a single person coming to China. A big problem with the foreigners who come to smaller cities in China is loneliness. It's hard to make friends, especially if you don't speak Chinese. In the smaller cities, people don't speak English. Um, so my boss, my manager, has had several people leave due to loneliness, which is which is stinky. Yeah, there's only like 2 million <laughs> people here, so it's really... But I mean, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to immerse yourself in a different culture and remembering, reflecting back on like the days before we moved to China, we had no idea what to expect and we were fairly proactive about researching. And now, you know, in the, in the eight years since we moved here, I feel like it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell if the mainstream discussion on China has opened up a little more or that we're just more immersed in like the YouTube China vlog world. So it seems like more... Westerners are talking about China. I don't know. Do you have an opinion about that? Well, uh, when we first moved here, there was like two vloggers that I could find for to yeah. research. Now there's like 
102 or 20,000. Yeah. I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's a lot. So there's more, just specifically on YouTube, there's more people talking about what it's like to live in China. And then maybe the mainstream discussion is more about, like, the trade war. Yeah. But there is, like, I, I do think, well, tell me what you think in the comments. Is there, is there more mainstream discussion of China in the past decade, do you feel? Well, even this week we got a question as to, like, what do we feel about the Western view of China? We're like, we don't know. We're here. Well, he uses a specific word, agenda, which is yeah, a right. loaded term. Right. Um, so but that's, that's what we have as a, an idea of, 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 of what we can tell from the other s s side of the water, what people... Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that's all that we know is people are feeding <laughs> us that kind of information that we're, you know... Well, there, yeah, there's there's a lot of narratives and a lot of a lot of agendas, yeah. <laughs> but I just in in general like before we moved to China, we didn't know anything about China, and despite our best efforts, we had no idea what our life would be like. And I think it is, I think there's maybe more cultural discussion of what it's like to live in China, but I still think it's a pretty big leap to move from. To move countries. <laughs> I think well, like, moving countries is a big deal. <laughs> and so it's understandable that people come here and are a little bit overwhelmed by what they've gotten into. Yeah. Given what our discussion is, you and I, in mm -hmm. our small community, is still so insulated because our discussion of, like, what is the world meaning, uh, what is the world to Lu Zhou... Is that right. we've got a Starbucks and we just opened a Burger King. Right. Like, so that's that's our international world. Like outside of watching Western TV, we don't really. Right, have a and and I mean, it is one thing to say like you move to a different country, so shut up and and immerse yourself fully in a different country, versus like realistically, you're gonna miss stuff from your home country, and if you're here alone, you can just. I think you can just feel very lonely. And Peter and I moved here to be alone with each other. <laughs> so that was perfect But we for still us. Do get, we still get, I mean, we have friends. We Don't worry, Mom, we have friends. We have friends. We just get lonely for uh, easily accessed spaghetti sauce. Yeah, yeah. That's our, our one <laughs> quest, is it's sometimes hard to track down spaghetti sauce. But we can find it. But we're not going to move out of China because of that. No. We're, we'll... We can figure that out. So anyway, that's that's why, because they have offered me the full-time, everyday bilingual job a couple times, and I don't want that job because that job is like a 40-hour-a-week job, um, which is, I didn't move to China to work full-time. <laughs> I mean, and, and I say that kind of snottily, but also on the artistic journey, a full-time job is somewhat of a liability. It leaves you with no time. To make your art, so I also mean, the main reason that you moved here was so that yeah. you could have a time. Yeah, yeah. So part of this, the part-time job salary is enough to live off of, and that's so that's what keeps me happiest is is working twenty hours a week, fifteen this term, but <laughs> soon back to twenty. Which is not to um, say that. You and then so we have like plenty of time to to make the things that we like to make. Which is not to say that you are lackadaisical <clears throat> in your work. You enjoy working with the kids, and you kind of work your butt off when you are there. So yeah, it's hard that that. Um, it's not like it's teaching is not actually the greatest day job. <laughs> um, I wouldn't recommend it because it does take a lot of mental 
power and a lot of energy with the children. But and you're really good at it. As an introvert, it also, like, even though they're children, that's still social interaction. So, it, like, it's a different kind of tired than it would be if I was, like, working 20 hours just writing by myself. I mean, I know for a fact that it is. But you always, like, have, like, tons of great stories about <clears throat> spending time with the kids all kinds of great wacky things that's true that's true and yeah and just in in terms of life enjoyment it's it's they're fun to work with and then in terms of like finding new stories it's good to have a reason to have to leave the house would you Um, say it's better or worse than spending 60 hours a week at a desk job asking interns to copy (sighs) stuff from magazines Well, the problem... I loaded that question. Peter is alluding to having worked at a newspaper before. The problem with that as the job, I mean, the hours aside, was that when my job was writing, I didn't have any writing energy left in the tank. So actually, I guess, like, if it's spend writing energy at work or spend social energy at work, actually spending that social energy still leaves me with writing energy at the end of the day. Whereas mm-hmm. um, the newspaper was I was much more left to my own devices, so I wasn't spending social energy so much. I mean, I was still interviewing people and interacting with my coworkers. Um, but I would be kind of written out by the end of the day. So I, like, I marked on a calendar. I didn't know this was going to be the sad outcome, but, like, I had a, a wall calendar at the time, and right before I started the job, I was, like, putting a star on the days that I wor- worked on my own creative projects. And the day I started at the newspaper, there were no more stars. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, I worked there for 10 years, so there was... I did National Novel Writing Month a couple years, and I did, you know, I did some stuff. But I never really was productive in a way that I liked when I was working full-time as a writer for someone else. Um, the Ascent of Stan. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even give me a cold watch when I left. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's life is life is always changing. Which is good. Yeah. And your your <laughs> job will change for you every semester. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but let's conduct some business. Ooh, wrong button. Our business this week, we actually just decided before we started filming. Um, this just in. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, if you are subscribed only to the podcast, we also have a vlog on YouTube at um, Hello Foreigner. This channel is Hello Uncle Foreigner, and our vlog lives at Hello Foreigner. Um, and we have an additional music video channel called Western Toilet, where we publish... Peter writes original compositions to score the vlog, and then he makes music videos with those scores on the Western Toilet channel, which, if that's all sounding kind of complicated, we agree, (laughs) and we are going to fold the vlog and the music videos back into one channel, so everything will be found on Hello Foreigner. Um, Because a lot of the music videos themselves, the footage, it was just going to be a stagnant image with the music video to listen to, but as it's turned out, I've used extra footage from our filming to end up actually making videos that are 
more uh, additional uh, information to the vlogs, so their their own kind of vlog. So it started to dawn on me that like this is actually just more vlog than it is just a yeah. It's kind of raw song. footage yeah. of our city. So it actually fits back into Hello Foreigner, and it's just confusing to run three sites. Yeah, that, yeah. In terms of marketing. We're really pushing Hello Foreigner and then Hello Uncle Foreigner, our podcast, kind of, we're not quite sure how to market that yet, but so it's, um, that's standing by, but Western Toilet, we've just decided, is kind of a distraction in terms of like, if we're putting all the push on this channel, why not put those videos on this channel too, and then the, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. <laughs> but would you say... Because when we started the idea, when we started Western Toilet, the idea was just you, yeah, like you'd use a static image or you'd use little animation clips that were in the original video, but give them a little more space. And then it seems to me that the evolution was you started going through our back catalog, our library of film from starting in 2012 and incorporating that. And then just because it's springtime and the weather is, um, nicer <laughs> it's terror it's been totally rainy and gross the past couple of days but ostensibly it's nicer and so you and i have been getting out of the house more so we have like a ton more footage did you think that was like kind yeah of we always end up with lots of extra footage of being that a lot, a lot of the bits that we're doing are only like you know a minute long or something and if we're filming like two or three minutes there's extra stuff laying around that like didn't actually fit into the story once and they get edited out, but like they're neat to look at or, you know, whatever, not, you know, bloopers per se or anything, but there's still like footage of outside and our around town. So it makes a lot of sense if I'm going to put those into the video, then part of our whole goal of Hello Foreigner is to show you Lujo and show the town and the people there. And there's more people and there's more town in those videos as it turns out, the more that I make them. So it's sort of like, it's kind of burying them to put them on another channel in, in Western Toilet where no one's really going to go, go look at them. Right. Because you're well, expecting them to just be music and there's actual like video footage in there that is part of the vlog now. And the original intent of separating them was there's some YouTube YouTube advice of like, your channel videos should be very, very focused on one topic, one genre, one style. So we were, we were thinking like, well, they're music videos, so people looking for a vlog, maybe they're like, why are these music videos here? I don't want to subscribe. And now we thought it would be confusing. And then once there were two channels, the hope was, the, the audiences might feed each other. Like, if you like if you found Western Toilet and then you liked it, then you might read this, the description that it comes from this vlog and go check out our vlog and vice versa, which didn't really pan out quite like that because Hello Foreigner currently has 166 subscribers and Western Toilet only has 20. <laughs> um, so we're just... By folding those videos back into Hello Foreigner, we hope to make all the content stronger. Because um, more is more in terms of posting on YouTube. Um, there's a direct link between like just the frequency of posting, nothing to say about quality, 
and your traffic. So yeah, it's all it's all about getting two two long. videos on one channel is better than one video on one channel and one video on one. As channel. long as it doesn't drive parts of your audience yeah. in different directions. But. And then in this discussion we just had, we decided like like Peter was saying. It's vloggy enough. The city footage is vloggy enough. There are some people whose vlogs is just like wandering footage of the street scenes um, that it does not represent a split in content and that, that it can hold together. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about this more in our branding section. Now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good segue into oh, home, so home school, film school. So hit the button, Frank. Yeah, so the greater conversation of branding, um, this is something I hate, <laughs> but also is kind of like, there's there we have two goals. One is to make pieces of work that we're very proud of and, and realizes ideas that we that have just existed in our minds and put them out into the world and be excited about that. Artists. And the other goal is for people to see that. And that, that does... <laughs> That does demand some branding, especially in a world where you have millions of hours of content at your fingertips and there's like no context for any of it. The branding is kind of our attempt to provide a little bit of context um, in that, you know, our, our thumbnails have a specific style. We have a typography across the, um, the thumbnail. Logo. In the videos, yeah, and then it, we have like a just yeah. like just like Nike or McDonald's. Yeah, so there's there's a, a very specific look that we're going for, which is helped by the fact that Peter has worked as a graphic designer, so he's really good at it. Um, yeah, if you could have had a career in media before you start making YouTube videos, that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we the, we have we have these visual cues that that provide a consistency across our channel and the website and the website and, and two different websites yeah. and the soundcloud yeah and our, our other social media um we're very careful to make sure all that matches up because and we're still dealing with such small numbers like 166 subscribers is mm -hmm. is huge for us but it's also compared to 7 billion people on the planet is nothing um but it, the the idea is if you've seen us before and you see us again that you'd recognize that and then you'd have a little you you wouldn't be coming blind into into and our content. The benefit of having a year and not just a year, some of the ideas have been germinating for like eight years that we've been here. So we've been working on to get up to one hundred and sixty seven sixty six amazing viewers, yeah, like subscribers. Is um, it's it's still so small, but it's the value in that is that we've been building that branding the whole time. So now we're starting to really hammer out all the bugs and actually go like, okay, this goes here and this goes here. Here's where we use the name this way. Here's where do we have another channel that's Western Toilet? Western Toilet's a fine name for our fake band. But does it need its own channel? Can we just call it Western Toilet on Hello Foreigner? Or when you're chopping these things up as to like what goes where, it takes a lot of work and time to actually figure out what works. So now we're getting to a point with our audience is still so small that we're like, 
we kind of know what we're doing, so now we can help it grow. Yeah. From there. Yeah. And and I think more across more more than that mm -hmm. um, in terms of the actual content of what we're producing, we do want to still push push the envelope still try out these kind of somewhat experimental ideas but maintain a consistency so that from video to video you know what to expect even if what to expect is like a little bit of weird um, and to that end I feel like the giraffe has been a really successful conceit which started out the that giraffe costume I bought for Halloween because we did like a Halloween thing with the kids and it I was like if, even in China, if you look for women's costumes, it's all like sexy pirate. And I, I did not feel that was appropriate for kindergarten. Um, and so this one was like super appropriate, really cute, really comfortable. Halloween is maybe late October in Luzhou is like maybe going to be cool, but maybe not. And so I could wear sweaters underneath it if I needed to or not. Like there was... It's a whole bunch of practical reasons why I chose this costume, and I really dislike giraffes. And then Peter suggested this character, or we came well, up we, with it together. We needed to, to take, to change the channel over from our old channel for the beginning of the year to revamp the whole channel. Yeah. We needed something to start it off with to describe, just, just for our own heads. You know, forget about like who was paying attention. Just for us to say, like, we're starting the channel new. We're moving mm -hmm. all the videos here, and it was a great idea just to use the giraffe as something silly of like, here, just go in and do a promo video to begin our new channel. Right, which I was receptive to because at that point I was getting a little bit uncomfortable with the first person addressing the camera. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted the vlog to be based on my personality. And I didn't like the idea of the claimed authority of addressing the camera. Like, we're telling really personal stories. And to me, it just it felt too definitive for me, plain clothes, earnestly telling you things about China and, and let, that be, let that be the last word on it. And so I, I was frustrated with that mode. And I was searching for something to do differently. And by putting on the draft costume and affecting this character, that really, to me, I felt dispensed with the idea of that I'm, I'm claiming to be any kind of authority. And it, I think it, it turned the key on um, the absurdist elements that we really had wanted to get into. Which makes perfect sense in any kind of entertainment. Uh, but historically, like whether you're... Robert Smith or Pee Wee Herman or whatever. Yeah. David Byrne or Madonna yeah. There's a reason doing. like you you pick the iconic item of clothing and then you only wear that. I mean, even in our live stream, I always wear this shirt and the same lipstick and the same you know. Well, that's it. The lipstick and <laughs> shirt and the sweatshirt when it's cold. Um, but that like that consistency of image it makes it so I don't have to make any decisions when we're getting ready but it also is so I'm recognizably me and if you're watching a video and I'm wearing this orange shirt you know that you're watching uncle says yeah and then so the giraffe is kind of even a stronger example of the, of that iconography I think yeah it's standard across 
everything that like there's a reason why cartoons Scooby Doo Shaggy yeah Shaggy doesn't green. change his clothes yeah because you, you wouldn't recognize him yeah then you'd be like yeah. who's is that Eddie Vedder right or, or like when Marge Simpson wears a different outfit that's like always for a special reason and right. it's part of the plot and then she gets an extra action figure. Right, right, yeah. So when there's action figures of me, there's already two variants. Um, I'm still waiting for the translucent one. The translucent Emily? Yeah, the glowing translucent. Yeah. Oh. Oh, are you referring to the messed up footage that we artistically incorporated into our... Oh, yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, we do have. <laughs> there is a translucent Emily, overexposed Emily. No, the plastic ones that the the, the action figures that they make that are you're like see through blue or pink or something like that. Like you're supposed to be a ghost. Or... Oh, I don't know that much about action toys. Figures. I'm a I'm an adult woman. <laughs> I don't have toys. Um, but anyway, so the draft had those origins, and it was at. At the time, we were goofing around, and we had just come off of a major period, what we were calling Uncle Says, or Hello Uncle Foreigner Season 2, where we had, we were really productive, and we kind of overhauled a lot of elements of where we had started, and so we were kind of taking a break from making big production series videos, and so I just throw on the draft costume effect a really... Nervous voice, and and talk about little silly things, and just we were just aiming for like four minutes, as opposed to like our our videos had gotten to like fifteen minutes before mm-hmm. that, um, and then of course the giraffe expanded as I got more comfortable with that as a character. We started making segments, and then we started like really putting together a structure that you can see in the last couple videos is pretty strongly. We have an intro, we have a kind of thematic first piece, we have different street pieces, and then and then, and then now, and then um, a couple more giraffe segments, which would be like, and the segments would, are, re- re- <laughs> I can't tell, okay. the segments are repeated things, like a Taobao purchase or a certain kind of update or gym tunes or whatever. Yeah, so we're, we're doing the, the thing that we're, like I said, are borrowing from Sesame Street. Yeah. We're drawing a little bit from, like, Creepshow or Elvira or something where you have uh, a host. Welcome to our creepy letters. I like the, the, the daytime version of Elvira. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and late night TV, too, in that, that structure. Mm. Um where maybe there's a little bit of anarchy, but really the through line of the piece, if you watched last week's and you watched this week, you can compare where the beats fall and where certain segments mm. are going to land, which I think is reassuring for viewers. If And, it re- and it's reassuring for creators. N- none of us want a world where anything can happen <laughs> at any time. That's, that's Controlled anarchy. It's hard. It's too hard. <laughs> yeah, and it really helps with our, our branding to... to if that's our structure, it helps us con- construct all of that. But then it also helps with narrowing down of like where we're talking about Lou Joe. That's, that's actually what helped with the Western Toilet stuff to figure that like since these videos are still about Lou Joe, mm-hmm. 
that's what we're talking about. We're not a, a travel vlog. We're not talking about all of China. We're not talking about all. We're not talking about Taiwan or Bangkok or other places that you know we may go. Yeah. We're talking about one tiny little town that no one's heard of. So all of our branding actually becomes where the giraffe is telling you what we're up to in our tiny little town with the tiny little people that live in that area. So that all becomes our branding is yeah. Lujo. Yeah, and and that that we're Lujo and we're a bit of a, a late night talk show. Sesame late Street. Late night Lujo. Late night Sesame Street. Lujo talk show. <laughs> um, but that that if you watch us for a while, you can kind of come to know what to expect. And that has the effect of, if you know the, their structural consistency, we can actually get even weirder with what we're doing. Mm. And we got a comment recently. So Peter puts us all over Reddit, and he doesn't... I have asked him not to tell me the negative feedback because... <laughs> I, I kind of have to pretend that nobody watches us ever um, just to, to deal with it. Um, and so he can tell me good feedback sometimes. But even that, I, I, I just I would prefer to think I'm, I'm making these and putting them in a sealed box. <laughs> but anyway, he did tell me... Oh, well, you you might know, you might not know that Reddit is like a dicey place to go sometimes. <laughs> there are there are areas of it that where people are kinder to each other and there are areas of it where people are not kind to each other. It's been cleaned up in the past few yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not the cesspool that it was a few years ago. Let's say for 4 and 8 chan now. Yeah. Um, but he told me a comment that we both were really pleased by was that we're the Tim and Eric of China vlogs. Is that was that what he said? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, which if you're not, or, or they were trying to figure it out of like, so this is the Tim and Eric of China. Yeah, which like Tim and Eric are Tim and Eric. a pair of filmmakers who kind of took took the non comedy, absurdist comedy, and ran with it. And they, I think, they're primarily on Adult Swim. I think so. Um, I'm not, like, a huge fan of them, but, like, if you ever watched Zach Galifianakis Between Two Ferns, which was before he got, like, super big, it's that kind of, like, where the comedy is that people are awkward and and unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of stuff, even, like, mainstream stuff, like Jack Black is from that kind of world. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, it's it's definitely a movement, part of a movement. And alternative comedy. Yeah. Um, I don't, generally, I'm not a huge fan of their work, but I do love Steve Brule, if you um, want to Google that and check that out. I think he's funny. Who's played by John C. Riley? Yeah. But written by Tim. And adults, he's, it's part of the Tim and Eric universe. And Adult Swim, like Joe Para and like all, that mm, whole world. Yeah. There's a whole world. Of Where it's awkward. like you'd watch it, it's. it's it's questionably comedy because you watch it and it's not really geared to make you laugh. It's like even drier office. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, like in theory, I think that's wonderful. Um, and and the part of it that tends towards absurdity, is I, it does appeal to me. And earlier on in the Hello Foreigner career, <laughs> um, we had posted to a Tim and Eric forum 
to Minerik subreddit to say like, oh, maybe you'd like us. And they were like, this is not weird enough. Mm -hmm. um, so then to get that comparison now, like, yes, we're weird enough. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like part of what helps is we can be weird but accessible because we have this structure and we have the giraffe who is like, you know, I'm an adult woman wearing a giraffe costume and I don't play with toys. But, um, so it's not like a mainstream idea, but it is not super challenging. And I don't, I don't think it's... Well, but it's, it, it, it's still in between of, depending on who you are, because some people do see that as like, what are you idiots doing? You're grown adults. Why don't, right, you, why right. don't you make a normal video about China and you, the way that you live there? Well, this is the way that we live here. It's <laughs> <laughs> so it, we're we're earnest about it, but yeah. we're also like it's also a little weird, and that's part of like that we're we're sort of making a joke about it, and we're sort of honest about it, but we're right. Safe. Like the the giraffe itself is maybe not a joke. Mm. Um, you you wear the it, giraffe suit out in public yeah. to shoot without the thought of being like. And we'll talk a little more about that next week, but yeah, yeah. It, it is, to me it does actually feel like a safety blanket um, where I can, because I'm not, you know, I've said this so many times, I'm not like totally comfortable with the idea of people watching me and, and, and being attracted to my personality. I don't want to, that's what, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to be... Host, I'm not looking to be a television personality, but I, 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 do, I have much less qualms about being a character. Um, and the so. stuff that we're putting together is it's absurd to live in a different country, and it's not that the country's absurd, it's more that it's, we're, it's absurd to live. Yeah, it's yeah, it, we're absurd in that situation, so we're trying to highlight that of like how weird it is to be in a weird place. And how you are gonna feel feel weird. So sometimes it is like, is it dry enough comedy? Right. Like right. we might just actually be telling you a story, and you're like thinking like that's really weird. And we're like that's life. Like yeah. that's not really. Well, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the week, Peter and I, of um, and maybe this is like a Gen X thing, mm -hmm. but that like when you love something, you show that affection by making fun of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And and we're and totally understandably some people see that poking fun and they're like why well what's wrong we're, if you hate it so much blah, blah, blah. like yeah. no we're this is how we show our love yeah um so that yeah it is like and that's another function that the giraffe costume does because some of our stories about china are about pointing out what feels strange about living here which, if it's just me talking straight to the camera, often people interpret that as complaining, and I don't mean to be complaining. I have I have st stories about living in New York and stories about living in America that I'd also point out as strange and absurd. Um, yeah, I mean, whereas, I like the giraffe, I hope it seems helps undercut that. Like maybe I'm not so seriously. Bringing you a problem that needs fixing. I'm just telling you a funny story. Yeah, I I could joke about all day long about how silly I think Iron Maiden is, or Marvel movies, or playing with action figures. 
how silly it all is, but I do all of them. Like, I, I make fun of them, too, so. Yeah, yeah, and that's just both of us in the world have lived our lives in China and elsewhere. Um, it's just difficult. Watching things. people be behave in ways that we find strange and funny yeah. <laughs> and pointing that out. Sometimes people are really into that and sometimes they're like, well, what? what? How dare you? Yeah. T- tone <laughs> tone is yeah. subjective in, in how you interpret it. Right, which is another, I mean, we have we want to reach the biggest audience possible and we have all this branding to make us look professional and conventional and like something you'd want to watch, but also a big thing is that we're not, not everybody's going to like us. Not everybody likes everything. There's no like objective right way to tell stories that everybody's going to be into and that's, that's okay. Yeah. We're okay with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm grinning and barren watching the end of Game of Thrones or the entire <laughs> all seasons and I'm about to finish it and I don't really care but I do understand that it's almost everybody else on the planet's favorite thing. Yeah, and you fell asleep during part of the last, yeah. last one. <laughs> Why all of them mostly. And that doesn't mean that we need to sign the petition to remake the season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. That it is what it is. Or and don't make new seasons of different offshoot characters. Yeah. Like, I don't Well, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it is what it is. Some people, it's like their slice of cake, and for Peter, it's not. I got other cake. It's called Hello Foreigner. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, and, and in a way, having clean branding helps people make that decision mm. quicker. Because if, if we're not for you, and you stick around trying to, f- well, stick around and try to figure it out, cool. But if you're, like, <laughs> constantly not into us, and then keep coming back at us like that's our problem, mm-hmm. um, we'd rather you just, like, figure out that you didn't like it and go watch something else. Yeah, that, I think, is part of what branding is. Um, obviously, any brand wants everyone to come to them, but you re- Successful branding knows that that's not possible, so it is a bit of like a, a rattlesnake warning of like, mm-hmm. this is what we're about. Mm-hmm. If you're not about it, you know you don't have to come to it. But we've set up the nice in-cap shelf at your grocery store to attract everyone who likes spicy chips. If you don't like spicy, that's why we put a big hot red pepper there. Right, right. So you should, yeah, non-spice lovers, this isn't for you. Yeah. Maybe try the milk in aisle four. <laughs> um, but are we ready to move on to commentary? All right. We only have four videos for oh. you this week. A slow week. Um, not really. It's still pretty a lot. One... One more kind of from a couple weeks ago that got put up and then lost in, in a flood of videos that we got put up um is called human mobility yes um which is that comes from our fabled season two run um it's actually it's changed to okay. china on your own two feet get around a chinese small city uh-huh okay and so the inspiration for this was that peter had spent some time in a wheelchair, and at this time, he was walking around more and more with the help of a cane. 
And so I had written a dramatic piece, but again, tapping into the absurdity, where it's it was a, a daily life at home where Peter was bored and annoying me with his cane. And you don't see Peter, you only see the cane, which our moms pointed out, like, we were really hoping to see Peter because at this point Peter wasn't really appearing in the in the vlogs. It was still the Emily show, and not even the giraffe show. Yeah, not this is pre-giraffe. Um, but so on that theme, we had several. I went out and got footage of people using canes. I got out um, real footage, documentary footage, um, not staged footage. We then did staged pieces where the cane itself was doing different things like the cane is typing on the computer or the cane is grabbing a coffee cup, um, silly things like that. And so this, this was in, in the vein of like a couple of punks, art in Lujo or what are you doing? It was kind of a more abstract, thim, abstract representation of a theme throughout several different kinds of segments both documentary and fiction. And part of what, what stemming from um, that we don't really address is that China in general, but particularly like weird towns like ours or Chongqing, mm-hmm. are nearly impossible for anyone who's disabled. To oh, get yeah, it's so, it's hills so hilly. And, steps and, and even like when there are ramps. They are too. They're too <laughs> steep. <laughs> like we have a ramp of, like, ski in the front of our building that was when Peter was still in the wheelchair. It was terrifying to take him <laughs> down it, and and I did like slide a little bit out of control at least once. It was, it was terrifying <laughs> for both of us. But um, getting into restaurants, getting yeah, into yeah. Cat, like everything is like just nearly impossible to get around. Yeah. And, the, and the, the thing is, is that there's so much of a, a community here in our town anyways, but most of China where there's, there's a huge elderly and even disabled yeah. that are, yeah. while there has been some concession to put in ramps yeah. and accessibility and elevators and stuff, they're still oftentimes not working or have just been poorly designed. Right, right. Or just not even there. There's um, no there's no ADA to make sure that standards are enforced. And 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 as a business you have no responsibility to to, to do that. Yeah. Even like some of the, the like from old Chinese architecture of having like there's lips at the bottom of the doors from like you see them in temples and stuff like that. Mm-hmm has somehow transferred over into some modern buildings. So yeah, so where you have... Like, even our apartment, it's it's how the door lock functions, but mm-hmm. there is... It's not a flat threshold. You have to Get step over. over it. <laughs> so the idea... So it's not an easy place to have a disability. Yeah. So the, uh, the idea of us having wheelchairs and walking sticks actually doing things like the laundry or using a computer, mm-hmm. um, all were kind of like as it turns out, a little bit more of an in-joke rather than discussing the accessibility for disabled people in our little town. Right. But that's well, kind of the commentary. I mean, that we had talked about that idea of, like, the actual accessibility of places for disabled people. Um, and I think that's addressing it in this 
sidelong way rather than like mm -hmm. we didn't want to make an advocacy video that because that yeah that seemed like that wasn't what we wanted to say and then like making an advocacy video and putting it on youtube where chinese people are not really supposed to be mm. um doesn't seem like that's a yeah, we're that's not a, a well-placed <laughs> effort right we're, and we're not like public access yeah like advocates that are like trying to make some kind of uh you know some kind of uh, announcement for the we're not pro or against it we're just like yeah, sometimes <laughs> we're, not, we're not pro disability <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, we're, but we're also not against it but we're we just wanted to comment that it's sometimes funny of like of the two of us like trying to get up a hill well, somewhere this is a is perfect, a silly perfect case of like we didn't want to complain. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to say, like, look at what's happening. Isn't yeah. it weird? Yeah, we're dealing with it, and we look like silly goof, goofballs. Yeah, and we're it. we're not writing our council people to to put more ramps in the city. That's we're we're, we're getting, not. <laughs> we're just getting on with life. Yeah, it's but silly also to like look at it to make it visible um, that people are getting around even. Mm -hmm. Even on a cane, even with a wheelchair, in this environment that is um, difficult at best. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, and particularly like there, there isn't. It, it, it sounds absurd from our culture, but we're we're two foreigners in a tiny little town. Like we can't actually put together a proposal and go down to city hall. And say like what we'd like to do is start like a, a some kind of program where we like yeah. help build ramps. Like I, I mean, it's just it's not our place. It yeah, nobody in the community wants that from us. Right. So I don't think. So we're just gonna point out that like, look, I almost fell down here. I must have looked silly. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> so did Grandma. Yeah. She yeah. might have also fallen down yeah. there too. Yeah. And it it sucks, but. Yeah. <laughs> We're all doing the best we can. Yeah, that's it. That's the entire point of Hello Forum. Yeah. Um, and then the, the dramatic piece, the cane, um, where Peter is, is poking me with his cane, um, that was our third, or second or third attempt at a, a drama. And I think it represents a huge improvement over the other dramatic actual film short film scenes that we had done and what helped a lot so i'll compare it to you're you're not wearing enough clothes wear more clothes mm. which was our very first one that we had a lot i'm proud of it as like a first piece but like it's immediately apparent watching it what its flaws are and part of what was difficult for peter and i filming um in this way was that we had the action cross the room and come back and and that kind of choreography and getting the camera angles correct proved you know a little too challenging for us well i think we've we've talked about it a little bit before of, of some some of the most easy storytelling devices that you would think of like from watching TV at all, was a person walks across room. Well, that's got about the easiest thing to shoot, right? Right. Well, not if you're using two cameras and you want to get the person entering the room and coming 
to, into the, a different part of the room and you have to make sure that it doesn't look like the person's falling in from the sky or something because the, the lighting was weird. Like, right, or that, that like they're the here in the room and now they're way over here all of a sudden and then they're back here and then like the, the consistency, the continuity of movement is actually pretty hard. Mm -hmm. We found with that first video, so this, the cane video, we, ha we kept us stationary and so I was just in this one place on the couch and the cane would come in and out of frame. Um, and I think we did two or three cameras with mm -hmm. insets. Mm -hmm. So we had, um, in terms of, of camera work, it was a lot easier. And so I think that made it flow better. But also then in terms of writing, I think I learned a lot from that first piece to make this second piece um, an actually interesting piece to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a piece... I will say this as writing advice. If you love a joke, but it doesn't work, just cut it out. Because mm -hmm. I, I wrote a joke that we did a rewrite of the script where the joke no longer applied. Don't but, tell what the joke is. Yeah, I won't. I, what? I don't what? remember specifically what it was, actually. Watch it and see if you can figure out what it is. And no, because we cut it. We cut it. Oh, we did? Yeah, because oh. I kept it in. We filmed it. And Peter was like, I'm editing this together, and this part... And Peter didn't know that this was, like, a, a shoehorned piece of dialogue. He's just like, it's just not working. And I was like, the reasons it's not working is because it doesn't go with the writing. It's not... It doesn't fit. Cut it. So if if it's not flowing when you're writing it, it's not going to flow in the edit. Just cut, save yourself. Save yourself the trouble. <laughs> Say your private goodbye to that joke, or save it for another project, because mm. um, you're gonna one way or another it's coming out. Um, so you might as well get it out at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you can see it in all kinds of, um, you know, even prime time TV stuff uh, that you're just like, what just happened there? And it's just because I think when you have like maybe like a show like a, a, a fan favorite that we talk about of 30 Rock is there's a cavalcade of, of line after line of joke of joke joke that and you know 95% of them are absolutely hilarious and you stick one in there that you know somebody in the writer's room is like I really gotta tell this joke alright we'll put it in right there where no one's gonna notice but you still hit it as a speed bump as a viewer you're just like that was weird but then three other jokes have happened and you forgot about it yeah. Like, but they, yeah. they stick out so much that yeah, like, yeah. it really is abrasive. Yeah, you need you need your dialogue to all have a purpose. And the purpose can't be this was from the first draft and its reasons for being here. Yeah, it might even be don't exist anymore, but you just love it. Yeah. <laughs> even if you just love it. If it doesn't have a purpose, it has to go. Sometimes it could be the whole reason for this the whole scene piece that you've written was based on this one joke and then everything went somewhere else and left that joke behind or whatever this it doesn't even have to be a joke it could be a dramatic piece something that was built on that and then you're like oh i, I lost the whole point of this but this is better and now that doesn't work with anything so yeah 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 so that i mean it was peter knew even without me telling him he's like this isn't working and that Yep, it's not working because it shouldn't be there. Take it out. <laughs> it's a different story. <laughs> um, and then one last thing about human mobility is this was... 
Yuki. Yuki. Um, was this the first time we used Lee Jong footage? I believe so. And Yuki. No, actually, no, it's not. But oh, yes. okay. But so talk about Yuki because she's she's the one who's saying she tells me to oh watch out. <laughs> well, uh, a truck passes by. Um, she was an adult student at the school we worked at in Lijiang, and she had really good English. Um, and she would actually, she moved to Brooklyn after that, so um, she got to use her English. But she also just like was so personable, and she was a good-looking woman, and so like everybody, everybody at the school always wanted to use her videos, and so she came. She wasn't. We took. Yeah, it was, it was part of a project that we were doing, so yeah. that we were going to use her as one of the primary hosts for a teaching video that yeah, we were doing. Yeah. And so we put her out in the middle of Bijan to meet people and try and speak English out. And, yeah. and that was part of the intro to what, what it was going to be. And as it turns out, the last the leftover footage that we have of it was, it, it just looks like a, a really bad, I mean, it's beautiful because the, the town is beautiful. She looks great. Her English is great. All the elements are there, but it, She's nervously standing in the middle of the town. Everything that we filmed of her being like, "Ah, uh, hi." Yeah. So we, well, because we were making her do weird things too. Yeah. But so we so we named it the authentic experiences. Yeah. Because like, that's kind of what happens when you go to a Chinese tourist place is that someone you, ner someone pretty nervously greets you greets you and gives you a tour of like. This is the reason, I mean, that's not just Chinese, that's anywhere that you have a yeah. tour guide. This is a place, and this is also a place. Yeah. And it just kind of came out into, because that's yeah. the other part of that that we used, was authentic experiences. Yeah, yeah. But I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Yuki. Yuki, our star. Our next video is called Hey, China is Still Cool, and that was a brand new piece this week. We published on Tuesday? I believe so. Um, and the concept of Thursday. this one, this was the last of, we've talked to the past couple of weeks, we were doing some spring cleaning in that we had new footage and then kind of newish footage from, from the fall that we just wanted to like get cleaned up, get it out there so we can start on the next batch of new, new ideas. Um, all part of branding. Yeah. And so... Specifically, we had some interviews we did over the fall that we kind of we've we've used the best bits, um, and we were so we're ready to say goodbye to them. But we wanted to take out the very best last bits, and this one we used to say goodbye. They all got to introduce themselves um, before they went, and you may be seeing some of these people again in in new mm. interviews. Um, but some of them have have left like. Curly's gone to Singapore, and yeah. he's was there. I mean, as of that time, for ten years. But right. this is his hometown, so yeah. like some of these people are, are have left, come back, yeah, are having their own adventures elsewhere, yeah. And yeah, um, so that's our send off to them is to to give give you the audience um, an idea of who they actually are, <laughs> and then so there's kind of two competing themes that emerged in this video. The giraffe footage all sprang from this idea of, of in doing meditation. I've been thinking a lot about like how there is no true self. There's just a 
collection of perceptions at different times, even though it very strongly feels like there's a little executive in your mind making all the decisions. And so I had like a bunch of kind of esoteric ideas about that. Um, and that was also to go along with this. A few weeks ago, we had um, overblown, the lighting was, was blown out, and so the footage actually wasn't that great. And to make a whole video out of that footage would have not been pleasant to look at. So we thought of, well, what if there's different Emilys and each one had a different kind of post-production treatment? And so this also went along with the idea of the multiplicity of the self. Um, so that was kind of the original through line of the episode. But then we added in all the interviews with people whose lives have been, you know, affected by Luja, whether they're from here or whether they came to school here or whether they moved here after living somewhere else. Um, and then Peter and I did a sit-down live to tape sit down where we kind of told a little vlog story conversation that was more more made it about like these are the people in our neighborhood and this is our neighborhood and really strengthening like we were saying earlier about this is we're about Joe yeah yeah and so there like is we're trying to like tie in what what we are doing it's starting to make more sense to us and this kind of represents like a, a, a time period of like now we're like going to delve into the, the specifics. And I think those ideas live nicely side by side. I think as an episode it still hangs together and it's, it's not jarringly, mm -hmm. the, the themes aren't fighting each other, but where, what, would I call it a mistake? Would I call it, you know... A thing we learned from it is a thing we learned from that the intro specifically sets you out on this course for the multiplicity of the self and the esoteric existential idea but then like a lot of the content is not well it's existential in the fact that we all exist in a place mm -hmm. but it is like it's more concretely about the place and so what we learned from that is to actually film the intro once we have the whole episode nailed down. Don't film the intro first. Film the intro last if you can. Because then we have a little bit better idea of, of what the content all adds up to. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I still think it's the best video we've done so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, we joke around about each week is the best so far. <laughs> but this one, like, it really nails the idea of this Sesame Street... This absurd abroad Sesame Street of like the different segments playing on a theme, giving you an exposure to our world and our point of view, and it, it mixes the playful and the, the more straightforward, and incorporates some of our local friends, and is really about China, and is about, or, or not even China, but about Luzhou and the place mm -hmm. where we live, and I, I just feel like it delivers so well across all of our goals yeah which is what we've been doing for the past year of like testing out all these different tools of how how can we do different ways to tell stories and that's why each each video we do feel is like our best one because we learned a new tool with each one and now we're starting to as we go into our second hundred 
of videos. Oh yeah, because this is video 101. Yeah, right. this actually becomes like, this is everything that we've learned and now we can integrate them all together in one, in one group that actually is utilizing all those different skills that we've learned. Yeah, and it uses the footage of the baby races, which yes. is the, my favorite piece of footage I've ever captured of anything <laughs> ever, anywhere. And it was, I was at the mall one Saturday afternoon, and the mall is kind of a hub of, of activity here in Lujo. There's like, everyone does promotional events there, or everyone does like performances in this little stage. And this, this weekend, that weekend, the, one of the kids, the baby clothing store was holding baby races. <laughs> and it's, it's really the best thing really I've ever seen. I don't, I, I, oh, watch, watch the video. And so I took that video last, sometime last spring. Um, and we just like, didn't have a place for it because it, it did, it wasn't like there was a voiceover piece that I wanted to do. Mm. It really was like, I just want you to see just watch this. babies racing. I want you to come across it like I did. At like, what's <laughs> happening over here? There's baby races. They are racing babies. Of course. And, and in this new, in, at the time that we didn't have a place for that in our videos. And now in this format, in this season mm. three format, mm-hmm. um, we had established that we could have like longer interstitials of of city happenings and so it it fit there and so and it was a surprise i didn't know that peter was going to use this like when i watched it i was ah i love it i love it so much when yeah and we see the winning baby we don't know what the baby won of that of that round yeah they had a couple rounds we have no idea what they win the, the glory. <laughs> the glory of the fastest Reputation. baby. <laughs> um, let's move on. To... To still commentary. Oh. Yet another epic street event. Oh, yeah. So this is the elusive street pancake event. Which, if you've watched previous episodes of Uncle Says, you know... We've been threatening. This has been like a bugaboo of like when we start talking about how are we going to incorporate street pancake, that means like something's over. We're not we're not working the way that we are working. Street pancake has has <laughs> signified the end of many things. Um, and it's because street pancake, much like Lee Jang before it, doesn't belong in another project. It's just like a little snippet of life. Um, so it's to, 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 to what's a street pancake? It's it's a Taiwanese snack. It's this little grilled pancake, and then you put egg, sometimes chicken, sometimes little whatever meat, um, and you wrap it up like a little little Chinese burrito, um, and they're really good. And they kind of exploded. What year? Do you remember? Like twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen, I think it was. They exploded in Luzhou. All of a sudden, there was tons of of vendors on the street selling these pancakes. And there was this one woman who set up right in our path from... We took the bus here, and then the place we went to dinner was here, and she was right here. So we would, like, pass her by and grab grab a snack on the way to dinner. Because in China, you're allowed to bring outside food to restaurants. Like, Mm. if you're going to eat at this restaurant, but you want these snacks, you can bring those snacks to the restaurant. That's, like, totally... 
totally loud. So we would get her street pancake. Um, and one, one of these times, Peter just took footage of me ordering and then getting the pancake. Um, and it turns out it's not a bigger story than that. It's just it's like it this moment of, of getting a pancake. We don't need to talk about all of street food in general. That's not our focus. There yeah. are so many good channels that talk about even Southeast Asian street food, but even specifically Chinese street food. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not really, we love eating, um, but well, and not just not just the, we don't have a bigger story about it. It's like we like eating. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there's plenty of, of uh, uh, channels that are just about street food, but even channels that are not about street food have done this particular sandwich. So yeah, everyone yeah. has done this street food sandwich at some point. So that's kind of the joke of the title of yet another. Yeah, which is, <laughs> Peter had to talk me into liking this title <laughs> because it is super bombastic and like in a way that's not really our style. <laughs> it's stupid. But we came to understand, so Peter is really, he watches Everybody. Everybody. He he does his research. He's deep into YouTube. He watches the advisors. Um, he watches everything. And I don't. I don't really watch YouTube because uh, again, I don't want to know that people are watching me, and I don't really want to watch other people. <laughs> but so for Peter, he was like, "Well, this is a joke on the fact that everybody does these like super crazy titles for like a really mundane thing." Like this, this epic street event, and I was like, "Can we call it epic street food event?" And he's like, "No, because then we have to compete with everybody who's doing street food." Yeah, we can't just call it the Chinese pancake because we're, we don't rake anywhere near because there's a thousand million Chinese street street food pancakes that yeah, are titled yeah. that way, so we'll never show up anywhere. But if yeah. we take it, and of course, this is once again of like the gray area. Mm-hmm. Are you going to see that as a joke? Or are you going to think that we're just jerks for like clickbaiting you? Like, right, and that's where where if you're into YouTube, it's probable that you'll see that that's a joke. Mm-hmm. And if you're not into YouTube, I don't know that the joke is so apparent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's how we kind of divided. Um, but I can't argue with um, people are going to watch us. <laughs> and then hopefully, like, if you get to know us, you can see, like, we don't, we're not trying to, to sell you on the authority of was, everything is epic, man. Like, yeah. that is, that maybe if you get to know us, that that joke is clearer. Right. Yeah, that, 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 an, an epic street sandwich is still a street sandwich. Yeah. Like, you want to see a street sandwich, that's fine. Because it's we also got like, that's not. The style of the video is also not epic. Like, you could make mm-hmm. an epic, like, quick cuts, zooms, and, like, dramatic... Well, well you do use, like, I use dramatic music. Yes. <laughs> so I have joked with it beyond just the title. Right. So it, there's this dramatic music, but the actual action is very subdued. I'm just waiting for her to make... <laughs> there's think... a few people online ahead of me, and I'm waiting for her to make hours. And so it is, like, the epic... Hanging out and waiting. Yeah, the the epicness of like, you've moved all the way across the country and now here you stand with the common local people, like <laughs> gathering your food as the lettuce is yeah. grilled fresh on the like. No, this is just us on the way yeah. to dinner. Big deal. Yeah, and so it is. 
I mean, I, I'm not, titling, titling is the tough, tough ground because mm. we do want to get seen and we do like joke around about like people who just put, watch to the end and then like. <laughs> It just ends like there's nothing extra special at the end. Well, you just wanted us to watch to the end. You yeah, didn't give yeah. A surprise. Which I did fall for that one. Someone <laughs> put a video up and then it was like titled "Watch to the End," so I did because they told me to. And then I was like, "Well, what?" It just continued till it stopped. There wasn't an arc. There wasn't any payoff. <laughs> and then so like, I find that language a little bit frustrating and misleading. But if we're Playing with it and it does work. Um, I guess we have to use it. <laughs> it's, it's the dangerous. <laughs> At least try and have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you know we do, we do deploy that sparingly, mm-hmm. and I think we are like to go back to our last video. Hey, China is still cool. Is a Simpsons reference, which I didn't know because I'm only on season <laughs> six. Um, but we had a big discussion over whether that was word salad in conjunction with its subtitle, which was the subtitle? It is Chinese uh, small city life is where it's at. Right, and so we we worked on that subtitle because the, the original subtitle was a little more word salad mm-hmm. um, to make it Give it some kind of context. Yeah, to make and to make it human readable, and and if you don't know the Simpsons reference, that you would still see it and have some understanding of what we're saying. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the constant, the constant struggle between like eye grabbing and and honesty. <laughs> and and here's just as I'm not pointing fingers as to what's right or wrong, but. Ironically, or is that using the right term, this week another China vlogger put out "Why is China so uncool?" So these these words are out there in the genre of like how you use them. It's just depending on the context of right. Like right. it's it's in the vernacular of how. And there's also like yeah, I talked about like I'm not really immersed in YouTube and Peter is immersed in YouTube but then even further are you immersed in the China YouTube community Mm -hmm. there's like specific words and and specific phrases that are associated with different China vloggers that if if you're in on the joke then you're in but then if you're not in on the joke it still needs to be appealing and accessible which is a lot to balance yeah (laughs) it's hard putting words together And our final video this week is a Western Toilet video, which you will be able to find on Actual Hello Foreigner starting this week. Um, it's a little composition called Fapiao, which went with the shoes video. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, well, the shoes, which is, hey, yeah. China is still cool. Right, right, right. The video that we're talking about now. Right. It's hard because... Those pieces of that video have existed for so long that it's like wearing winter clothes. Oh yeah, that just came out. So I do. Let's go back and talk about the shoes scene. Okay. So we talked at the beginning of our commentary about the cane as one of our earlier written out pieces, mm-hmm. and then the shoes segment of 
Hey China is still cool is one of the last ones I wrote. Actually, mm-hmm. the second to last. I wrote this one before I wrote Breakfast. Um, and I think Shoes really is the strongest of all of those pieces, all of those those fiction dramatized scenes. Let's, uh, yeah, I think we worked with storyboards and stuff too. So yeah, actually, yeah. It's composition. And we had we hit a sweet spot between improvisation and, and full on scripting. Breakfast was line for line scripted, and a video like Pharmacy was only written out an outline and and pretty much improvised and shoes this particular one was not full-on scripted but maybe like there were one or two lines that were like hit this joke here Mm -hmm. and it had more of a so it had an outline with like a very detailed outline of like Okay, this moment you need to get this across. This moment you need to get this across, and when you end that moment, say this stinger. Yeah. So we're not because um, we're not, not actors. Yeah, we're not expecting any Oscars or anything, but we actually did have to up our game just enough to to hit a beat to be like at least we tried to be funny. Yeah, and and with the 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 three dramatic scenes from this recent run in the past three weeks, pharmacy, breakfast, and shoes. The idea was, like I said, I wanted to get away from vlogging being telling a story straight into a camera, and these turned out to be, so then instead I'm telling the story straight to Peter, but because we don't have a budget or locations, we're not actually showing action as it's unfolding, I'm just telling the story at the moment. But I think there was something about the way we put together shoes that had a little more show-don't-tell than the other pieces mm. did. Because um, uh, there was actual stakes between the interaction between Peter and Emily, not just like, are we having breakfast? Yes, we're having breakfast. <laughs> like, well, I, bought, so I bought shoes. Why'd you buy those shoes? Yeah, you're, you're, you're writing, trying to get out of just telling a story straight to a camera. Yeah. And then you were trying to tell the story straight to me. With elements of, like, stand-up jokiness to, to keep the energy up right. there. Right. Now you're integrating me. Yeah. Into yeah. The story. <laughs> um, Acknowledging that I'm not a wall. So that one was the most successful, I, I think. Um, and then in terms of, like, blocking out the action, there was lots of good action and props without getting confusing. Like, breakfast, mm. it got a little bit confusing to keep track of, like, when did I pour the cereal? How much cereal did yeah. I pour for everything? Um, and so I, yeah, and I, so shoes inspired me to push a little further on breakfast, and then breakfast pushed too far and made us realize, like, we are, we're not interested in developing our acting chops. <laughs> so if we are going to do a scripted something... It's probably not going to be with us, with us in those roles, mm. but not to give up on that idea. So that's mm-hmm. you know, stay tuned for a couple years from now. <laughs> um, but the, uh, I think they were worthwhile experiments. They were a lot of fun to do. I was on. We filmed those three on my winter break, and so it was just like hanging out in the house or going to a coffee shop and writing and then, like, going out with Peter and, and filming stuff was, like, a fun way to spend a vacation. Um, That's the life. Living yeah. the life. Yeah. And 
that one also we had learned our lesson from wear more clothes is don't don't have your characters be walking <laughs> without a camera crew that's too hard to keep track of. Mm-hmm. I think that's our issue. It's not that we're not good at it, but it is like it's too much for two people to be acting in and setting cameras. I mean, maybe there's someone out there who could do it and mm-hmm. awesome, but we, we can't. That's too much for us to take on. At least not yet. Yeah. But so, okay, so to go to Fa Piao is the, the song that goes with that. And Fa Piao is a... Um, official receipt that you can use. I use them to to expense stuff at work because you can get just a normal receipt and you can get a. Go, you have to ask for the special government receipt. And like <laughs> the joke is, I am desperate. I'm desperate to explain the process of this Chinese this piece of Chinese bureaucracy, and it's not interesting. And it like it comes spilling out of me, and so that's why that's the joke. In the skit is that Peter does not want to hear the story. And in real life, I've told this story to Peter many times <laughs> over, and he's very patiently listened to it because he's a good husband and a good listener. But I've I've done my best to try and save you, the public, yeah. from having to hear the story over and over. Yeah. So and then Fa Piao, the song is just a, a driving groovy beat to go with. We were inspired by the shoes a little hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. To make like kind of a seventies mm-hmm. action, action footwear. Yeah, action footwear. Um, and then the footage is another wheelchair experiment down, down by the yeah. Yangtze River. Um, with with so it was took us about an hour or two. Yeah, yeah. To walk, we stopped for a few times, yeah. but. To walk, we walk down from one end of the river to the other end of the river. Which is our oh. usual, since we moved here, our yeah. our favorite place to go and walk yeah. like after dinner every um. day when we first got here. And again, we uh, talked about this in last week's video, we're giving up on the wheelchair because it just <laughs> it doesn't handle the bumps in the way that we'd like it to. But if you speed up the footage, the bumps are 6, <laughs> much less noticeable. And so you get this cool little walk down a walkway that we have walked many times so, so it's just like you're here with us yeah um so yeah anything else to say about that no nope, i think that brings us up to date finally okay no we have one more next week what's to, to talk about yields to me oh jeez um but yeah, then then we're, then we're caught up and I'll, don't worry we'll find some other stuff <laughs> i'll find some other things to make yeah. videos of yeah, if I don't fill the hopper fast enough, Peter just starts <laughs> making new videos. <laughs> uh, but let's let's go into our watch it. Watch it. This week, I'd like to recommend the show United Shades of America with Kamau Bell W. Kamau Bell on CNN. So it's a um. What is it's not a reality show because that no. makes you think of the housewives, but it is it's a drum docu docu Doc. style newsy entertainment program. Mm. So Kamau Bell is a comedian from San Francisco whose comedy he's African American and he talks a lot about the social issues that he faces and that, you know, America as a whole. He did a early in his career he did a show where if you brought a friend that was a different race from yourself 
then you would get half off your tickets or something. Like so, he's all about like racial inclusion and and for all understanding races and minorities of yeah, all different yeah. kinds. And that's the focus of the show is that we yeah. are united. So he yeah he he we are united in our differences. Yeah. And so he picks these kind of kind of really hot button topics and treats them with humor but also with great seriousness and, and compassion. I, yeah, and I would say humor. he's someone who's with with whom my politics probably align pretty closely in, in terms of like liberal dignity for all humans and, and So if you have any questions about your <laughs> yeah. points direct them to him. But what I like about the show is that he it's not just parroting back things that I already know or believe. Like, he always finds something about the issue that surprises me and really makes me think. And I think what why that is is because he genuinely is is pursuing these questions and open to all answers. Mm. Like, his, the first, this is the third season, and the first... The third season just started, and the first episode of the third season was about megachurches, which I have, like... My my preconceived thoughts of like Rick Warren making tons of money from thousands of people who come to his cult of personality services, or like even um, what's his name Baker, mm-hmm. the televangelists all, of, the, all of the 1980s of 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 guys who kind of are bilking their congregation for lots of money, mm-hmm. and he interviewed one of those guys who stated his case, and, like, in the end, you know, I, I stand where I stand on that, but then he interviewed a bunch of different kinds of megachurches, and the definition of megachurch is just that it has thousands of... It's mega. Yeah, it's mega. It has thousands of people that come every week, and the, and they did... He did find a lot of different pastors and people who attended megachurches for... And he, he... I don't know. It was just... It was such a great discussion of an issue that I never even thought about. Real like I had written it off as like, well, it's not a thing I'm into and so mm. who Well cares? all this is his piece I think the the main thing is that he's he's looking at it with his own curiosity of like yeah. what is this about? Like he, he has his pre- own preconceived notions as to what mm. he, And he's upfront about what they are. Yeah, yeah. And then he's I wanna figure out like at least for himself, mm-hmm. am, am I Am I going to learn anything from this? So, and with most interactions on the show, we, like they walk away with a with a handshake and, and shared an understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, I think, in the first season, he interviewed people in the Ku Klux Klan, which is like yeah, first or second, I don't remember, but um, yeah, he's he's a black man. He went to a cross burning. Yeah, and it was that was like. Scary, yeah, <laughs> and I think he he at moments was genuinely scared. And that one, it wasn't like, oh, we all walk away feeling better about anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one was a hard one, but it was like, it does help you rather than write this off as like an evil that nothing can be done about. He mm-hmm. found the humanity in these people that don't see humanity in him, which was really powerful. Um, well, yeah, rather than trying to divide our differences, he's trying to find ways to unite them, and so... Yeah, and, and not to paper over our differences, but to accept the differences and still come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not like the clan are not going to invite him to their cookout. Although they did. Although, I, again, I don't think <laughs> they are. Um, 
and he's not going to invite them over, but I think... But there's a show out there now. Yeah, it, well, and it, it, it's... I really appreciate, especially in a, in a siloed world where there's such strong divisions and the people in each tribe are only talking to the people in their tribe about mm-hmm. the people in the other tribe. And I really appreciate, even as someone who, like, all the entertainment we watch skews liberal. We don't watch Fox News. Yeah. Um that he's having a conversation that does without cuz i don't i don't like the narrative where it's all liberals fault that trump's got elected because uh-huh. the the liberals pissed off the conservatives enough that they were just like well we'll show you i don't think that's what happened that's not fair right. but i do think we do benefit by opening up to one another mm-hmm. um, and i think that he's doing it in a really really cool and thoughtful Way and he's also, I think he's a very entertaining comedian. He had a podcast a few years ago, um, the greatest actor of all time, Denzel Washington, where he and a buddy talked about all of Denzel Washington's movies. That's <laughs> very, very, very funny. The um, a lot. It's interesting in his show going into a third season. Um, there's a lot of similarities to Sarah Silverman's "I Love You, America." Mm, yeah. Right? Which, she did a really great job, at least from our point of view, that uh, the first season was doing the same thing of getting out there and talking to yeah. opposite from your own beliefs. Yeah. But then in the second season, I think you could start to see it wearing down, and she had a little harder, less interviews with people. Yeah. <laughs> and a she lot was of really having a lot of trouble that, like, finding common ground. Yeah. So um, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And I... Probably, I don't know if I would even attempt it myself yeah, at all. Yeah. But like, the but Camus is doing a pretty darn bang up job of, of going into a third season on CNN of mm-hmm. trying his best. Yeah, and I think yeah. doing uh, for me anyway successful. Yeah, I I really enjoy it. I think um, yeah, it's a great show, and it's also because we do. I feel like we have some shows that we watch that are like hard to watch shows Mm -hmm. but like well but we should Mm -hmm. and this one's not one of those it is like when there's a new episode we're like yeah let's watch it Mm -hmm. it's not like a oh but it's important we should watch it it is it's enjoyable i think it comes from his comedic background yeah yeah he does soften things every once in a while yeah not not in a weak way but in like all right that was tough to watch well, I'm going to make a joke now. Right. And because I, I think that's, I'm having dealt with that thesis the, of like America has to come together or we're going to fall apart. Um, and that racial issues are, are complicated to talk about and everybody has feelings. Um, he's been actually working through that for a long time as, as, as a man, but also like as an entertainer, how do I make that funny? Um, mm-hmm. So he's he'll, he's not gonna he's not gonna kick your ass too hard just <laughs> just enough <laughs> I think. Um, that's what yeah, we so, all need these days. So just hard enough kicking the ass. United Shades of America, Kamal Bell. I do want to have an addendum to last week's watch it, where mm-hmm. we were talking about the pattern of streaming platforms. So we're done with Kamal. Bye, Kamal. <laughs> um, 
So I, last week I had said something about like streaming platforms seem to be following, you know, pick up the indie shows that they can afford, get popular, drop all those indie shows, huge, huge blockbusters only now. And I singled out Hulu as, like, maybe that's the home. And then, like, the next day I read an article that Hulu has been bought by Disney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, NBC... I mean, NBC has always owned them, has been part of the ownership, but that, like, there's an option that Disney might buy out NBC. And so Hulu, <laughs> Hulu is probably not the home for streaming indie quirky content, but... Mm. I mean, they did cancel. That's where Sarah Silverman's show was, and that got canceled. Uh, um, but they do have some stuff on there, like Raimi, that we liked. That was our last week's recommendation that I hope comes back. I hope I hope they hold on to that stuff for a little longer. Um, yeah, I... While another streaming platform emerges and, and gobbles up all the indie yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always tough. When, I mean, Disney is, in a weird way, like the most evil corporate wild card because sometimes they do think you're like wow actually that's really cool that that's coming and then it just gets washed away in a second like it's the you know, the amount of power for them to be able to turn the battleship around at any point is yeah, just unbelievable yeah. so sometimes it's like oh that could be cool no it's not yeah well oh, like, who that? knew pirates of the caribbean the first movie yeah, was gonna be all. any good and then it was really good and then like and so really let's bad. keep making that into the ground <laughs> so yeah i'm not i'm not hopeful about um our disney corporate overlords <laughs> <laughs> but we're on youtube so uh, yeah hey, um, we got no mouse to answer to yet not on the 28th floor <laughs> uh, so let's wrap it up. Noodles to you.